Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, Scott, alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean. Uh, hi. Um, I thought I, I had something really funny to say, and then I, you know, forgot it. Has uh-huh. that ever happened to you? No, I always get the funny, th- funny things out. Oh, you always say the funny things. Okay. <laughs> well, you're just going to have to trust me that I had something really, really funny okay. to say. But uh, no. Uh, we were talking just before Sean uh, came off the golf course today. I was uh, yeah the day off. Uh, decided to go play some golf, and uh, up and down, you know, a uh, bad front, good uh, back. So yep. overall, not not too shabby. Oh, you want to finish on that high point, you know. You you want to have yeah. that there. It gives you the motivation to come back next time, and you can blame the front nine on the fact that you played at an ungodly early hour. Yeah, nine fifty in the morning. Oof. Too too early. Too early. Come on. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Dean. It was Dean's idea, buddy. Dean. Uh, it was his birthday today, so went out and played. We're gonna see him later tonight, but he likes to play in the morning, and I don't know why, because he always complains that he's very stiff in the morning. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, and he rolled up about uh, two minutes to our tea time, I think. <laughs> and I thought I was like, oh, maybe he's out at the range hitting balls, but. Yeah. Uh, no, but anyway, we played under four hours, so it's pretty good. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Real accomplishment. That's my yeah. goal. Let's get well, it over uh, with, guys. Well, yeah, well, well, don't hold up the line. Just keep things moving. Keep it going. Uh, so, uh, so uh, well done, Scott. And of course, golf is in the Summer Olympics for the second time in a hundred years. It came back in 2016. I watched some of the men's event over the weekend. Women are getting ready to tee off in a couple hours here on the same course over in Japan. And Scott, with the Summer Olympics going on, I started to think, is there or are there qualities of curling that we can translate to Summer Olympic sports? And I've tried to create a list of 10 key attributes that you need to be a successful curler and tried to associate those with some of the summer Olympic events that we're currently seeing over in Tokyo. Yeah. I mean, you know, curling is part of the winter Olympics. So uh, obviously if you break it down into all of its components, you're going to have similarities with other Olympic sports. It's just sort of the way it is. You know, Uh, there's lots of components that make good curlers, good curling teams. Mm -hmm. And uh, why wouldn't it be reflected in some of the, uh, summer sports that we're watching right now. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's get into some of these. For, but first, Scott, I, w- I wanted to know the disparity between the summer and the winter Olympics. Okay. There are 339 medal events at the Summer Olympic Games. So that includes, so like the 50-meter freestyle swim is one medal event. Mm-hmm. So there's a total of 339 gold medals available. I guess 340 now after that high jump cool thing that happened. Oh, yeah. But in the, in the Winter Olympics, what would you guess, Scott, the number of medal events at the Winter Olympic Games? Well, I think at the Winter Olympics, there's like 50, 
sports, 50, maybe 50 disciplines. So I would say around 50. Okay. So in 2018, there were 103 gold medals awarded. Wow. Okay. So less than a third available in the winter versus the summer. One of the reasons I prefer the sun or the winter, uh, excuse me, uh, there's just less to keep track of yeah, <laughs> in the uh, winter games, but kind of interesting disparity, I think, between the two. Yeah, very different. And and I'm partial to the Winter Olympics, too, mostly because, you know, sports like curling are in it and speed skating. And we live in Canada and it's covered in ice, you know, eight months of the year. So, yeah, uh, obviously we, we go with the winter. Actually, Sean, I saw something funny on Twitter uh, this week where it said summer Olympics who can run fastest who can swim fastest winter Olympics can you make it to the bottom of this death slide <laughs> uh, and I thought yeah that's pretty apt yeah it, it was interesting like there, there's some people online who have been like hey you know for, they should show regular people trying to do these things for context right in the swimming or like pole vaulting or whatever and you're thinking, okay, like I get a normal human being is going to swim much slower than an elite level swimmer. You mm-hmm. could never do that, that at the Winter Olympics because there would be casualties. People yes. would die in these events if you just put regular people and said, go for it. Yeah. If you, you said to me, hey, let's strap some skis on and see how fast you can go down the hill. Yeah. Uh, no, thanks. I'll, I'll pass. Right. But, right uh, or that ski jump just just give the ski jump a try yeah yeah i that's i always wondered who's the first like how do you first get into ski jump but i'm anyway. sure it was it had to have been somebody escaping a um what are those things called where an avalanche oh yeah and they're just skiing and they're like oh my god there's a ledge maybe this will work and then they got to the bottom and everyone was there like wow how did you escape that it's like well <laughs> let me tell you and they're like that was cool let's try that yeah like i, I guess i mean uh, you not, can, not you can, you can trust me. I'm a, I'm a historian. You can, okay. believe, you can believe that. Good, good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So let, let's get into this a little bit. So the list that I have here, I think there's 10 characteristics of curling that I've identified. And let's see if we agree on the sports that from our perception of them would match up. So the first main characteristic that I've identified to be a very good curler is balance. You need to be balanced out there, not only when you're throwing, but just walking around in general, especially if you're somebody who likes to skip or sweep with the slider. Mm -hmm. Really important to be balanced in that case. But even again, if you're just walking around with the two grippers, balance is important. It's ice. So very hard. the, The main sport or discipline that I could think of where you need balance is the aptly named balance beam where if you fall you can seriously hurt yourself very seriously hurt yourself and uh i'd say that maybe the only difference is that in curling if you fall you still have a chance to win uh you know uh, yeah balance beam if you, if you fall like whew, boy you're you're out of the competition you know that's true uh, it seems so daring what they do on that balance beam, like flipping around and who, you know, not for me. I uh, don't have a great sense of balance except on the curling ice. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're talking about balance, it's right in the name of that discipline, Sean. So that's right. Yeah. It's got to be that one. Yeah. And I was kind of amazed too. I watched the highlights as we're speaking. The balance beam was last night overnight. So Tuesday in Tokyo. And I was watching 
the highlights of Simone Biles and the Canadian woman, excuse me, I forget her name, who had sprained her ankle and ended up finishing fourth in the balance beam. And both of them were, were talking in their interviews after saying, oh, you know, I, I had to really just make it not as difficult, decrease the level of difficulty. And I watched those things. I'm like, that's the decreased <laughs> level of difficulty? Oh, what were you planning on doing? Yeah, uh, it's just insane. Yeah, it's totally bonkos that they can do that. Uh, so that's the first one, keeping up on the balance. Sky, what do you think of the next characteristic of strategy? So strategy, right? It's about knowing your opponent, being able to exploit their weaknesses while at the same time emphasizing your strengths. You're going team to team. And that really feels to me like like boxing. Right. It's your one on one. You have to know the weakness, the weakness of your opponent. Be patient, play to your strengths and and really maximize your opportunities. Uh, So you have to be strategic about the way in which you go about the fight. Yeah. So I I really like this comp there because in boxing, patience is so important. And we've seen especially over the last few years, being patient and curling is so much more important than maybe it used Mm -hmm. to be. You Mm -hmm. really have to wait, make sure the spot is right for you to really become aggressive. And that's the case in boxing, where if you go out there and you're just punching too much or trying too hard to be aggressive, you're literally going to get punched in the face and Mm -hmm. probably regularly. So in curling, it's the same thing where you could take a big hit if you go too aggressive at the wrong time. So that need to be patient, to see what the opponent's doing, to feel it out. I, I really think that that's a good comp here. Obviously, curling is different from boxing in that I would say in 99.99% of curling games, nobody has been punched in the face. Uh, but yeah. in terms of just that general strategic approach, you have to have it. And I'm one who truly believes in the idea of boxing as a science, the sweet science of it, mm-hmm. especially at the Olympic level where you are fighting for points. You're not getting as many knockouts no, in Olympic it, boxing. Because it's three rounds, right? So, Yeah, yeah, and they much, wear the little uh, helmets and everything. Yeah, yeah, much much more about, you know, making sure you get those connections and defending well. So uh, I like this comp to curling. All right. All right, let's move on to the next characteristic that we've identified. I have speed here, and... I don't think of it as speed as in just pure speed more as in, I think you said this before we started, Scott, the high intensity intervals that you have to do where you're going, if you're going post to post now skips, you can skip this part. Just give ahead 30 seconds. When you go post to post on a rock and you're really pounding it, like that is really hard to do. That takes a lot of cardiovascular conditioning and -hmm. training to be Mm -hmm. able to do that and to be able to do it regularly so it's not so much pure speed in in the way a sprinter would would just go but you have the obstacles and the hit side of it and then yeah there are there's literally stuff in your way a lot of times that you have to get over Mm -hmm. so i've identified here the 110 meter hurdles where you have these short bursts and stuff can get in your way what do you think of this one yeah, I like this. When when we talk about speed, obviously you first think of the 100 meters, uh, the, those sprints, you know, you get the fastest people in the world that run those. But you're right. When you're when you're sweeping a rock 
you, you maybe have to get out of the way of 10 other rocks that you know yeah. could have been there from the start of the end. So I, I like this hurdles, a uh, little addition to it that you're right. Things can get in your way and you got to adapt. Right. So yeah. No, and no and makes I a think, lot of sense. I think another comp could potentially be playing in a soccer game, which I've never done at mm-hmm. a level other than gym class where from what I understand, there's a lot of, obviously a lot of running and a lot of burst in there. But when you're like an attacker and the ball's in your end, you're not moving around as much. Like there can be some standing around. Yeah, you can serve your energy during those times. Uh, maybe maybe think of LeBron James uh, playing defense the last five <laughs> years. Most of the time, he doesn't really do it. Yeah. When he needs to. He does so that you have more energy for the other side of the ball. Right. Right. Mm. I guess the difference is though, in curling, when you're not sweeping and say the other team is throwing, all you can do is stand there. That's right. That's right. So basically like LeBron. Okay. (laughs) All right, Scott, what's next? Uh, Next up, Sean, we have endurance. Of course, we know uh, the curling event at the Olympics takes place over about a week and the national events and world events that we have, you know, they take a week to play. So you got to be able to bring it every day. And so that comp in the summer is is similar to baseball or softball, right? Anybody can play one game. Anybody can run one race, but doing it over and over, over the course of a week and maintaining the high level, that's what, what's really hard. And so that's why, uh, the baseball softball event sort of compares to curling in that way. Right. And and so it's it's not endurance in the same way as the marathon, which is obviously an endurance event. Right. But it's a different type of endurance. It's the up and down, right? Getting yeah. up for each game and then being able to come down and then get back up again. Right. And that's what I say to people when they talk about curling and when we talk about how difficult it can be physically, they say, well, you know, I went curling on an office event at Christmas and it wasn't that hard. I'm thinking, okay, you're like, well, maybe Uh, it can be hard, but the idea that yes, you can go play and play a game. Like just look at, go to, go to any sort of beer spiel and look at people's faces on Sundays and tell me, I realized that in a beer spiel, it's not just because of that curling, (laughs) but look at their faces. There's a lot of defeated people there. who are physically beat up by it so it's not just the one game it's the repetitiveness being on your feet a lot having the mental side of it over a long tournament that's what makes it it very difficult and that's a very Mm -hmm. different type of endurance as i said than a marathon or those people who torture themselves by choosing to do 1500 meter swimming for reasons that completely escape me why that would be fun for anyone uh or the 50 kilometer speed walk yeah like th- those type of events that just they they finish and even the person who wins looks like they're in pain and they fall like, down on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like there doesn't appear to be joy in the immediate aftermath of those things. So that's a very different type of endurance as to a curling event or as we've identified here, the baseball softball, where you're going every mm-hmm. day. You really got to be at your top form over several days. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to power. This is where the Hulk smash kind of comes into it. Mm-hmm. And of course, in, in curling, again, this is front end specific, but you do have to be strong. You do have to go to the gym. You have to have a, a lot of power. 
especially as a sweeper, obviously, in your sweeping stroke as you're going back and forth. So I think that the comp here would be the flat water kayak. So not the slalom kayak where they're trying to get through the gates, like just the racing kayak at the same mm-hmm. place where they do mm-hmm. the, the rowing. And I, I picked that one because you're on the same side the whole time, right? It's the same motion over and over again. And you need to have that power with that repetitive note motion, be able to continue it the whole way down in not quite as short a burst as curling. Obviously they do it a lot mm-hmm. longer in a kayak race, but it's really just that same thing over and over again in a way that even just the motion I think is pretty similar to curling because you could make this claim or this case for rowing and maybe canoeing too. But the kayak I think is the the most similar stroke itself to the sweep in terms of the motion, the muscles you're working. So I think it's the flat water kayak here. Yeah. Okay. I, I could go with the canoe. I think more you're on, you're on one knee and you're on one side of the boat, right? Each of you with the canoe. Right. Uh, but, but, uh, no, the, the motion of a kayak, Sean, I, I kayaked, uh, for the first time this summer. Uh, uh-huh. maybe I'd done it. Maybe I'd done it before. I don't know. And whoo, you know, those are, those are muscles that, uh, only tend to get sore during curling season. Okay. So yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm right with you there on, on this comparison. Yeah. And actually, Scott, I think you were right. I've just lifted up. You're correct. I was thinking of the canoe. Oh, so, so we'll call it the canoe. Yeah. Uh, the kayak, the kayak, you're right. Yeah. You're using the shoulders a lot in the kayak yeah. where you're going back and forth, but you're right. The canoe is on one side. The kayak is going both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Our, uh, our teammate Megan likes to go kayaking and uh, yeah, yeah. she has also told me that it's very hard on, on your upper body when you're not used to it. So, hmm. uh, okay. Okay. All we'll right. go, uh, we'll go um, canoe then. Canoe. Let's add that to the, to the list. All right. Let's uh, keep going. What's next. So we got teamwork, Sean and teamwork, you know, is super important for a curling team. Uh, we went through and did a podcast all about, uh, what makes for a good skip, a third, second lead within a team. So we're looking for something similar at the Summer Olympics that relies on, you know, a, one person leading the sort of strategy of the team, uh, but the whole team coming together and working to win the, their event, their match. Uh, and, and I think beach volleyball is the one that's going to make the most comparison sense you know players qualify as a team it's in pairs as opposed to fours uh but there's usually one leader who calls the shots uh or the plays and and then one who you know executes that leader's vision what do you think of that yeah i think that makes sense to me and in the way i understand beach volleyball certainly that you do qualify together. It's not mm-hmm. like larger team sports where there's a national governing body that will put you together, that you're out on tour, you yeah. play together. That's how you qualify. And yeah, my understanding too is that one of the two players tends to be the person who is calling a lot of the shots and the strategy and the other person helps to execute that strategy. So mm-hmm. in that sense, the the teamwork side of it makes sense. You have to have really good communication between the two of you because, well, there's only the two of you. So you have to know where the person who's going to spike it, like where are you trying to spike it so yeah. that the other person can be in position in case of a block. Potentially, you have to know on the defensive side who's going to which side. 
uh, who, who's doing what. So you just you really have to be on the same page with each other. And certainly that is the case with Curly. So I do like this comp. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, what's the next one, Sean? The next characteristic. So the next characteristic is the amount of work you're going to get with your voice. There's lots, oh, yes. of, lots of yelling in curling. Lots of yelling. It's part yeah. of the, the best parts. I guess. I, I guess. I guess. It can be. I, I don't like it in the club where there's lots of yelling and you can't really hear as you're talking. Like You know how you get those, those points yeah. sometimes where four sheets are screaming all together? Yeah. Don't like that. Pretty loud. Yeah. And sometimes when I'm watching at home, I wonder if I should turn down the volume because my neighbors might think I'm killing somebody. Because of all the yelling. Because yes. of all the yelling. Uh, and the panicky yelling, too. Uh, that, that happens. But I was watching the weightlifting this morning, Scott. Oh. They, they yell a lot, too. And at, it's, at themselves? Well, yeah. So the weightlifters themselves tend to yell, which I understand. I'm not a weight lifter by any means. I have 15s at my house. But sometimes you want to go like, yeah, as you sort of, you know, lift something up or even do a push up or something, right? Mm-hmm. You want to yell. So I appreciate the yelling of the weightlifters. What I don't understand as much, and maybe this is the better curling comp, is the people who aren't doing the work are the ones yelling, I noticed. So you know, Kark hmm. Martin, for instance, he makes a noise while he sweeps. That's a justified noise. He's exerting a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Brendan Boncher and Darren Molding also scream a lot, but they're just standing there watching. And oh. while I was watching the weightlifting this morning, I noticed that there's a lot of people, no, mo- mostly the coaches, it seems like, who are standing around the edges, really yelling a lot at the person who's actually doing the work. Oh, okay. It's it's not the grunt as the weight is being lifted so much as the din from the sidelines egging yeah. them on, convincing them that they can do it. You can, That's right. You can do it. Yeah, go. Uh. Yeah. Okay. That the, encouragement yelling that you really hear a lot of. Because, again, the the person who's yelling, if you're trying to lift 250 pounds over your head, yeah, let out a yell. I'm all mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. The person who is who weighs 120 pounds who's yelling at you to do it maybe you could cool it a little bit guy <laughs> i don't know yeah take it easy sean uh, is there more yelling at the weightlifting you were watching or at a typical darts match they would show on tv Oh, that's a really good question i think the weightlifting might have it wow so that's yeah. very loud well, because in the darts, they tend to quiet down a lot more than during the weightlifting, I noticed. Until the announcer announces that 180. 180! Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, because during the weightlifting, there was a, a, a brief din, but as soon as they start to lift, you can hear like, you got this, let's go, or in, oh. in the various languages, of course. And... That's what they're doing. Whereas in the, in the darts, as they're throwing, I, it tends to be quieter. And there's not as much yelling after everything. Right. Like right, if, right. if someone gets a, an 80, it's like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, oh well, that's yeah. not so, so I think the weightlifting has it on the yelling. Okay. Very good. Yeah. All right, Scott, we got two left here on our characteristics. So yep. what is next? 
So Sean, everybody knows curling is a game of precision, that fine touch, being able to make the freeze at the right moment, that excellent draw. So what kind of a, a sp- summer sport also has that type of precision, that fine touch? It's got to be the shooting events, right? The pistol, the rifle. These players need complete silence when yeah. it's on. So very opposite of the weightlifting. They're in silence, the precision, you know, their muscles are all relaxed to the right amount. And boom, they they take that shot and it's very, very, very precise. The, the line between winning and losing is very fine. Yeah, like a millimeter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is pretty similar to curling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. So yeah, so I, I do like this this one where... I mean, in curling, yes, you do need the power that we talked about. You need the, the endurance, the speed, but you also need that fine touch. And I think you can argue that maybe the fine touch, that precision is more important than any of the other characteristics we've talked about so far, with the potential exception of balance. But the balance goes into the precision that exactly. you have. If you're not balanced, you're not going to be precise while you're playing. And watching some of these shooters, like the the skeet shooting or, or whatever it's called, or, or even the archery, it's the same. Mm-hmm. it's amazing how precise they can be when they're so far away from the target. Yeah. It, it's really, it really is quite incredible to me that they're that precise, that they're that good at it. And the training involved of, from what I gather, you have to be so good at controlling your breathing so that your pulse is, is calm that, you, you know, you're even, so you're shooting for an Olympic gold medal, but your training has to be such that your pulse stays the exact same the whole time. Like that just that's just so incredible to me that that, mm-hmm. that is the level of of training that they have so they can be so precise at these very high stress moments. Yeah, it's it, it is very incredible the the training that they do and the ability to like you say hit a target from so far away with such precision. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh something else. All right, so the last characteristic of curling, and this isn't so much a, a characteristic you need to play the sport, but something that is somewhat characteristic is that there is a limited field at the Olympics in curling or just in curling in general for as much as growing the sport has been going on and we've we've had new member associations join the World Curling Federation. It's great to see. And things like the mixed doubles has opened it up. I, I think what, 48 countries competed at the last mixed doubles world championship before they reduced the field. So that 2019 version, I think it was 48 teams. So really good job of growing the game, but we're still at a point where not that many countries are ultra competitive at the world level and certainly at the Olympic level. So I went through and tried to see who has the lowest number of countries who have won medals at sports that have existed for a while. Because obviously right now, the answer is skateboarding. As we said, right, right now, right. it's skateboarding. Yeah. But I wanted to get something with a little more distance from when it first entered the Olympics. So, Scott, are you aware, and maybe you are because you're looking at the spreadsheet, but how many countries have won a medal in Olympic curling? How many countries? Well, let's count them out. Canada, yeah, Norway, correct. Uh, Sweden, yeah, uh-huh. Switzerland, that is correct. Scotland or yes. Great Britain, 
um, Finland, I believe. Yeah. United States, correct. So that's eight. Yep. Uh, maybe maybe Denmark and Denmark is correct. That's all I can. Th- oh, France won in 1924. Does that count? France is on the list. So that's ten. That's nine that you have. Okay. Well, that's as good as I'm going to do. All right. So you're missing South Korea. Oh, of course. Of course. Korea. How could I forget? China. Betty. Yeah, Betty. Betty. Bronze. And Japan has a bronze medal as well. Wow. That was very Eurocentric of me. Yeah. I got to take, take a look at my life. <laughs> yeah, look, at, look at what you're doing here. Give me a head of shake. <laughs> yes. Of course, that uh, the bronze for Japan was in 2018 as well on the women's side. Uh, Satsuki Fujisawa, correct, uh, won that one. So 12 countries. Now, Scott, I have found two sports that somewhat interestingly enough also have 12 nations that have won Olympic medals. The first of these is table tennis, which entered the Olympic Games in 1988. So a little earlier than curling officially. Uh, Those metal tables that we just went through for curling didn't include 88 or 92 uh, or uh, yeah, 88, 92, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So they were not included there. So just when it was a full metal sport. So in table tennis, it comes in in 1988. It has 12 countries that have won medals. Those being China, South Korea, Japan, Sweden, Germany, North Korea, Chinese Taipei, Singapore, France, Yugoslavia, Hong Kong, and Denmark are the 12 nations. And badminton. Also, 12 countries that have won medals at the Olympic Games. Again, led by China, then Indonesia, South Korea, Denmark, Japan, Chinese Taipei, Spain, Malaysia, Great Britain, India, the Netherlands, and Russia. So I thought that was just kind of interesting that these are sports that certainly table tennis, I, I, I would venture a guess that everybody has played a game of ping pong at some point in their life. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And badminton is played in gym classes, certainly across Canada. Yeah. At, at badminton, a lot of fun. I'm surprised there's only 12 meddling countries in badminton. Uh, I thought it would have been a bit bigger than that. Yeah, and, and badminton came in in 1992 in the Barcelona Games. Okay. So again, very comparable list here. But yeah, like these are sports that are played pretty widely, but at the elite level, clearly it's very centralized as to who is winning these medals. Yeah, just like uh, just like curling, as we mentioned. Yeah, a lot of people can play, but not a lot of people have broken through at that highest level yet. So I thought that was just a sort of an interesting comparison to make. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's really cool and and very interesting that uh, the field is so limited, and we'll see going forward. You know, hopefully, uh, those fields will grow in the years to come. Yes, ab- absolutely. Uh, I think we will get to that point in curling, certainly. So, those are some characteristics of curling, Scott. I also wanted to take a, a minute here and talk about the perception of curling and some of the summer olympic sports that might be comparable in that regard so one of the perceptions that i think exists of curling is that it can be somewhat confusing 
that if you don't know the rules, it's not always readily apparent what teams or players are trying to accomplish when they make a shot. Like if you don't know the rules or the intricacies of the sport, you might see the team throwing yellow peel a guard when there's a red one wide open in the house. And the the person who doesn't really know the sport might say, well, wouldn't you want to get that one out? So, you know, it can be a pretty confusing sport if you don't know. So the comp for me is the modern pentathlon where you see it once every four years. Somebody has to explain it to me in a somewhat lengthy manner. And then four years later, someone's going to have to do it again because I have forgotten what was explained to me four years earlier. (laughs) And I feel like we go through this cycle on Twitter at the Olympics with curling where all these people find it again and fall in love with it again and kind of need a refresher on the rules. And it's great to see. And, And certainly some of them will go pick it up and go try it. But a lot of them, we won't see them again until the next Olympics, which is great to have them on board for the Olympics. It makes it a lot of fun. But it seems like there is that cycle that exists. And for me, at least, modern pentathlon is my summer Olympic cycle sport in that regard. Yeah, yeah. I, so in modern pentathlon, like, I don't even know, is this the one with the horse where they like ride horse? At well, yeah, well, this is what I wanted to ask you, Scott. Can you name the five? Because so, obviously pentathlon, five. five Can you yeah. name the five sports that are involved in modern pentathlon? Yeah, I feel like it's running. Yeah, that's one. You're correct. Uh, a horse riding. Yeah, you got to ride it, a horse. Is it, is it jumping or it is show jumping. It's show jumping. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to say the pole vault. No, you are incorrect. Oh, okay. Okay. High jump. No, you're thinking. You're purely in the decathlon. I'm, I'm in the decathlon mode, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so there's the running. The oh uh, yeah, you got to give them to me. All right, so I, I you knew there was a horse involved. That's there it. is a horse. So you start off with fencing. Of course. Who doesn't love a good uh, sword fight? Yeah, so it's the epee, and you do a round robin with one-minute matches against everybody else in the field. Wow. And that is followed up by a 200-meter freestyle swimming race. Of course. Do, do you jump in a pool, or is this uh, done in the lake? It, well, water? It, at the, so at the current schedule for the modern pentathlon, which is going to happen later this week, it just says for venue Tokyo Stadium. So I'm not entirely sure. Wow. Maybe they build like built a, a pool. weird pool in the middle of the athletics <laughs> field. That would be amazing. Um, so you do that and then you go off to the paddocks and you get on your fanciest show riding gear and <laughs> you do the show jumping and then you do the laser run. Scott, this is basically oh, yeah. biathlon without skis. Yeah. yeah. So you run uh, 3,000 meter laps of the course. And before you do that, you have to hit five targets with your pistol. And wow. what's kind of cool to me, at least with this, is that they stagger the start. So the whole time you're getting points through the fencing, the swimming, and the riding. Mm-mm. And then at the laser run, they stagger the start so that whoever so whoever has the most points goes first. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's like when you like on these game shows where you go out and it's like, all right, now you have a five second head start, like on on American Gladiators. Like yeah, right, okay. we just spent the last hour and now you have a f- 
four tenths of a second head start. Like, congratulations. <laughs> uh, so that's what happens here. So they go out. So whoever finishes the the race first wins the gold medal. Wow. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Because whoever was in first got the head start. Right. right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So those are the the five sports. So it's really four events, things you're doing. It's just five sports that have been combined down. That last one is combined down into one thing. And it's all done over the course of two days. The, you know, you know, the dressage sounds like a little out of place there. Uh, sorry, it's not dressage. It's, it's not dressage. dressage. Yeah. So there is actually a, a theory as to why this exists that there's, so there's two ones that, that exist. The one is that this is the sport was came out of a Swedish military tradition of multi-sport events. So from what I gather in Sweden, it's common in the military for their sporting events to have multiple disciplines in them. And that okay. this sport was introduced to the Olympics in 1912, first time it was there, and it was done so by Sweden. By Sweden, okay. The other theory that exists, and this is what the Olympics itself puts forward, this is on the Olympic website, is that in... The 19th century, there was a French soldier who had to travel from two cities on horseback to deliver a message. And to complete his mission, he had to ride his horse. He had to fight with a sword. He had to Mm -hmm. shoot somebody. He had to swim. And then he had to run away from somebody. So (laughs) these are the five disciplines that were put together to create the modern pentathlon because of this individual's journey to deliver the message the same way that the marathon is 26.2 miles because of i believe it's euripides i might be wrong on that or philippides who had to run from or to marathon to deliver a message and then Mm -hmm. when he got there he dropped dead and to honor that that's why they run the 26.2 miles and that's why it's it's, called marathon yeah yeah so that same origin story kind of has been created here for the modern pentathlon. So there's that debate between those two versions. Mm. Okay. Well, Sean, now that we've explained it, yeah, I will remember it four years, three years from now. Three hey, years from now. Yeah. We, yeah. Maybe we'll remember it this time because we don't have to go <laughs> wait as long, long until the next summer Olympics. Scott, now just before we move on, that that is the modern pentathlon. Do you want to take a guess at the original pentathlon? <laughs> Running, swimming, uh, uh, bike riding, horse riding. <laughs> I, I don't know. No, you, this one actually has more decathlon-y type of a sense to it. There's okay. a foot race, long jump, the javelin, the discus, and then the outlier in the mo- or in the original pentathlon is wrestling. Okay. Yeah, wrestling yeah. makes sense. Okay. <laughs> it does? Well, I, I think back to ancient Olympics and uh, they were all about the wrestling, eh? That's true. Yes. A lot yeah. of wrestling going on. So, a lot of wrestling. Yeah. So there you go. So hopefully we have made it less confusing for the modern pentathlon. Right. So just like curling is really not that confusing when you spend 10 minutes you know, <laughs> describing how it really works, yeah. marveling at it. Uh, modern pentathlon. Yeah. Not so yeah. confusing anymore. Right. All right, Scott, what other perceptions are there of curling? Well, Sean, we all know that curling is great on TV. Uh, We talk about this a lot. So what sport do you think is the great for TV sport from the Olympics? 
I think it's swimming. I mean, swimming is the sport that this year, and they did this when it was in Beijing, where they totally flip around the schedule so that the North American audience has it in prime time because like NBC loves it and NBC pays the most money for the Olympics out of all the broadcast partners. So whereas normally at a normal swim meet, you have your finals at night for this, they said, no finals in the morning because NBC can show it live. And that's what they did. And it's a great for TV sport because there's so much tonnage. There's so much volume mm-hmm. of races. Uh, Byron McDonald, I think that's his name, the, the CBC guy. Whenever there'd be a race and a Canadian would win a medal and then somebody else, the next race would come out. And he's like, yeah, we're just chugging right along. Next race. Let's go. Next race. Like, so it's just constant races. There's a lot going on and it takes place for really that whole first week of the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So you can just show it. And people love watching it. And again, it's it's one of those things that kind of like curling where the casual fan will really only watch every four years. But when it's there, they love it. It takes up a lot of airtime. It's so easy to produce because it's in a confined space, mm-hmm. right? Relative to say a soccer game, a baseball game, even the track and field, which is it in confined space, but you do have, there's a lot more motion back and forth mm-hmm. at, a track meet than there is in the pool where you just have this 50 meter long block to cover. And it's like curling where you just have this long sheet and that's all you got to worry about covering. So it's compared to other things, cheap to produce a lot of tonnage. And I mean, in swimming's case, I think it's one of these things too, and maybe curling too, that people watch and think, well, I can do that. Right, right. I, I, I think swimming is a great comparison here. And I love watching it because of what you said. It's just like on to the next. Like the the athletes, okay, they're out of the pool. Some of them do hang out like maybe a bit too long after they race, like catching their breath. Uh, we get it. You're <laughs> That's hard. But yeah, they get out of the pool and then boom, let's bring the next people in. Uh, get ready to dive because it's on. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I love it. And I think you're right. It's, it is great for TV. I don't really watch swimming at all other than the Olympics. But when I do watch it, I really like it. Yeah, it's fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Scott. Last perception of curling. This comes up all the time. Not even specific to when it's on at the Olympics. But it's a question that I get asked a lot by people who have never tried it. I'm sure you've been asked this a lot. But the question, of course, is this a sport? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I was trying to think, is there something that I look at at the Olympics and say, at the Summer Olympics and say, is that a sport? Right. And I mean, I would always think that it's got to be something judged, right? Yeah. Because that's a lot easier to say, like, really? Uh, Is the dive like twisted a certain way? Like, who knows? Yeah, rip right. entry. Got to get that rip entry. Yeah, got to get that rip. Yeah. Uh, but obviously diving is very athletic. There is a lot of uh, athleticism involved. So where, where do we end up, Sean? Where do we end up? So I've put here rhythmic gymnastics. And one of the reasons, is, and now I don't want to take anything away from the rhythmic gymnasts who, when they use the ball, it's kind of incredible that what they do. The ribbon, maybe not as much. All right. Yeah, the, I think the, of the ribbon and flittering the ribbon around. Right. 
Yeah. That one that one feels kind of dance recital e. Yes. If I can I say agree. that. Now, but again, I don't want to take anything away from how hard that can be or, or the dedication that is involved to get to that highest level. I would just say that when you see it on TV, it doesn't immediately present itself as the toughest thing in the world or, or, or almost it's kind of easy. Like, like I just did, it's kind of e- easy to make fun of. Yeah. And I think curling falls into that category as well, where, I mean, I, when I was in Barbados, I put it on, it was an Olympic year in Torino. And for some reason we got the CBC in the dorm and I put it on and I'm sitting there with a bunch of guys who have grown up in the Caribbean who mm. one didn't, really know that there was a winter olympics going on because why would they 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 didn't care invasions there yeah and then two when you see the sweeping it looks ridiculous it it objectively can look ridiculous what you're doing so i I get that side of it right so i i I can see why people would look at curling and make fun of it and for me it's kind of like rhythmic gymnastics is in this that same vein Mm -hmm. it's almost like it's it's an Olympic version of Cirque du Soleil where it takes great athleticism. It's very challenging to do. There is a 0% chance that I could do any of the things that these individuals do, but is it a sport? I don't know. Right. And uh, that's something that, you know, I'm sure that if the rhythmic gymnasts out there that are listening are saying, of course, guys, like obviously it is. And that's how we feel when people question curling, right? Yeah. 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 That rage that you feel deep in your the pit of your stomach right now, that's what we get when we hear this about curling. When we hear this about curling. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Rhythmic gymnasts, they know a little bit more what it's like. Right. I, yeah, I would think so. Uh, and again, like like I say, it's it's and maybe the, ju- the judged aspect, I don't generally like sports that are judged. I think you said this last week. Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, this is one of those things where it's kind of like Ninja Warrior too. Like should American Ninja Warrior be a, an Olympic sport? Well, like, I mean, I, like I don't think so. Well, if they're going by who can get through the course fastest, then yeah. <laughs> Throw it in. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's just kind of how I feel about rhythmic gymnastics. And again, I'll, I'll go to see Cirque du Soleil and see amazing things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's amazing. It's a very athletic, but uh, yeah, I feel like I can dance around with a ribbon. It's not going to be good, but well, like I could, I could do it. I, I don't think you would get the same ratings. Oh, I would get a zero rating. Say, <laughs> Why is this guy here? Go away. <laughs> All right. So uh, that'll do it for our little comparison of characteristics that you need in curling and their summer sport equivalent. Did we miss any out? Do let us know. Are you a rhythmic gymnast and are furious at us right now? Do let us know what we have misrepresented or if we've kind of missed anything with some of the summer sports that we've talked about, some of the intricacies there, or if there are glaring characteristics that you need for curling that we potentially have missed. Do reach out and do feel free to let us know. You can find us on social media at Game of Stones Pod. You can reach out by email, Podcast at gmail.com. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show. Wherever it is you get your podcast, do the likes, ratings, comments. Now, if you're a rhythmic gymnast, maybe you could just let us know in private if you're mad. 
who posted the comment. I don't know. We'll see uh, if anybody gets at us for that. <laughs> and and do share the show with other folks. It is a great way to grow the show and to keep us going. And do head on over GameStonesPod.com. You can find all of our past episodes there. Plus, all of the merch is available. We got the t-shirts with proceeds to Food Banks Canada, the rest of the merch proceeds to the San- Sandra Schmirler Foundation. We are matching all proceeds to so do feel free to check that one out. We will be back with you next week where we'll be getting back into our decades player ranking. Next week, we will be looking at the 1990s. Scott, this is the decade where we really started to watch curling, and it's going to be a doozy to try and rank some of those players. Yeah, real murderer's row of of players on that 1990s list. So tune in. I uh, would like to hear what everybody has to say about it. Absolutely. So we will be back with you for that next week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern.